Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today, we have Laura Tatum on the show. She's the leader of the internal audit department at the Tampa airport. She's also the board treasurer for the Humane Society of Tampa and the president of the Association of Airport Internal Auditors. And since the travel industry took such a beating during the pandemic, that's a, a large part of where the, the conversation is today talking about how COVID changed the the audit plan, considering travel was basically shut down for months and months, the new tech that are that's at airports now uh, because of COVID and the risks that they introduce. Uh, and then we also talk about how to change the perception of internal audit. And Laura walks us through exactly how she did that and kind of tells the story of when she first came on at the Tampa airport and the perception of audit and how she has since changed that for the, the much better um, and then lastly, we talk about moving from the yellow book to the red book and also what those books are. So if those terms are new to you, uh, this is definitely a good one to stick around for till the end. All right, here we go. So in the travel industry that you're in, I know it's been hit really hard, uh, but obviously because of COVID and I know like a lot of folks have, but travel probably one of the hardest and so i was just wondering how how that changed your audit approach or your or your plan for the year yeah well, we typically do a annual audit plan and present it to the audit committee and all that like a lot of other places do um once covid hit we had a a quick shift quick pivot to working at home for one thing um but one of the audits we were getting ready to start was a big concessions audit you know being at the airport we have a lot of tenants, concessionaires, we, we get privileged fees from different companies like rental cars. We basically get a piece of, you know, the revenue they make, the airport gets a piece, uh, food and beverage concessionaires, different, um, you know, airlines, all the, all the different companies, Uber, Lyft, all the companies that work on airport property, we get a piece of that pie. Mm -hmm. So we often audit those types of revenue contracts. And with COVID hitting and the airline industry or passenger travel dropping so much, we, you know, I, I said to management, I said, maybe we need to reassess. We we're getting ready to start this big concessions audit. And do we really need to be bothering them right now? Um, you know, they were going through deciding whether or not to even keep their storefronts open, um, winding up having to lay off people, you know, trying to figure out if they were going to get any of the stimulus money to help them keep their doors open, right. all kinds of things like that. So it didn't seem very good uh, for the business to then go impact them even further and, you know, be poking around trying to do an audit when they're just trying to survive. 
So, so we backed off and basically postponed that audit for until uh, next year. Yeah, I appreciate the judgment that was used in doing that. And instead of just like forging ahead and this is what the plan says. So this is, you know, what we're going to do. And then actually looking at the impact that it's going to have on the business. Like if we go do this audit, what's the impact that's going to have on the business? Okay, maybe right now it doesn't make sense to do it. Let's push it out a bit. So that, that I love that story. Um, and I haven't had a chance. I don't think I've flown since COVID, which is probably the longest I've gone since, you know, in 15 years without taking a flight. But um, I know when we were talking initially, you talked about some of the new tech that's at airports now that was completely new to me. So I think that's just a fascinating topic in general. And would love to hear what, what new tech is at airports now. Like when I go back, what should I expect? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think with COVID, it's, it's forced some of the technology to come even faster yeah. because I think a lot of it was already in the works at different airports, you know, ours included. Um, but it, it forced it because nobody wants to touch anything now. With COVID, everything, everybody wants touchless everything. So, I mean, we were already doing or starting to do exit and entry biometrics, like facial recognition stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and that was actually, I believe, federally mandated. But, you know, that's definitely something people want. You don't have to hand your passport to somebody and take it back, that kind of thing. So it's you kind of stand in front of a camera, it, it recognizes you. And then some of the touchless technology, uh, again, back to our concessionaires, people want to be able to get the food at the concessionaires while they're waiting for their plane or when they're waiting for somebody to arrive, but maybe they don't want to be passing money or credit cards and all that. So we have a app now you can get on your phone where you can actually order your food, pay for it on your phone. And all you have to do is either walk over to the place and they have it waiting for you, or we even have one where they'll deliver it to you. Um, so it's all basically touchless other than grabbing the bag. Yeah. Um, and then there's e-gates. That was something we were already doing, but it, I think it sped up a little bit with, with COVID where you used to have to hand your um, boarding pass to somebody to get over. To our, our airport's like a hub and spoke. So there's a big main terminal and then there's the different air sides. Uh -huh. You used to have to hand your boarding pass to somebody at this gate. They checked it, looked at your ID and then, you know, or just made sure you had a, a flight over on that gate and let you through. Uh, now it's actually just a digital thing. You scan it and walk through. So there's nobody there. You don't have to touch anything. They don't have to touch your, your license or your boarding pass or anything like that. Online booking um, was another one for parking, which I know a lot of airports have that, but we didn't have that yet. Mm -hmm. um, that's now just recently got put in place. So again, you can, you can purchase your parking and prepay for it all online and just show a, like a QR code when you go through the, into the parking garage. Yeah. So again, don't have to touch, don't have to pull a ticket, don't have to touch the buttons on the screen, any of that. So is the, um, you're talking about showing your license and your boarding pass that like at the, the TSA agent, you still have to do that? So you still have to do the TSA one. Yes. But it was our, the way ours is, is you kind of have two checkpoints. You go through one um, and then get on a little train and it takes you out to the air sides. And then that's where TSA is. Um, so it's that first one, that first pass is now just to e-gate. So now that you have all this new tech, what are you going to have to consider relative to audit? I mean, is that bringing on the more risk to the airport and kind of your role in that? I definitely think there are some more risks and things that we might have not, not have the uh, skill set yet to look at. Might have to do some co-sourcing or outsourcing for it. But I mean, it definitely brings into, into our world some considerations around like, you know, cyber attacks, cybersecurity, um, even like with the online booking, you're looking at payment card industry, you know, PCI yeah. um, standards that we might have to comply with. Um, you know, it's all new, some revenue streams coming from different things, whether it's the app where you order food or it's the online booking. It's just new areas that the money is coming from. And a lot of 
interfaces too, uh, where those maybe the revenue streams, making sure they all get into the financial system um, and the overall parking system where it all kind of gets accumulated together. So we definitely have to look at, at some of those things. Um, and then also the third party involvement. I mean, that's a big part of it too. If there's a third party managing some of those systems, you know, always think about the, what was it, Target or the air conditioner, you know, third party wound up having some gaping hole where people could get in from a cyber cyber world situation yeah. and, you know, kind of making sure that those gaps are closed and helping IT with that and making sure that they're looking at it. Have you, have you guys uh, requested like the SOC 2 reports for those vendors yet? So interestingly enough, I tried to get that into contracts with some of these places because I always get, a, anytime we enter into a contract, it comes through me because we have a big audit clause that lets us basically audit anything. Yeah. Um, so, and they always, everybody always takes exception to the audit clause. So I always get pushed back on it and we have to basically kind of like negotiate and get to a good place um, where we still have enough audit rights, but you know, they'll agree to the terms. And I've tried to put something in there about SOC 2 reports in, in some instances. And it's interesting, a lot of the places like they either are pretending or they have no idea what I'm talking about. And they like won't sign the agreement because they don't know what I'm talking about. And we'll even get passed off to their IT people sometimes. And they're like, we, we don't have that. What, what are you talking about? And it surprises me that some of those places don't have those. I did like the story that you told me earlier about how when you first got to the airport as the auditor, nobody talked to you. And it, I think it comes back to the perception of audit, which has kind of been a hot topic that we've been talking about on the show the past couple of weeks. Um, so I just uh, would love to hear that or have you share that story with the um, with the listeners and then how that's changed since. Yeah, it was, it was a little crazy when I first started at the airport. It was um, interesting because there was some, you know, I was trying to get to know everybody and then what all the different departments and some it was almost like this icy chill factor. Like they didn't want to talk to me or they were, they were just so unsure about audit and who I was and what did I want? And was I out to get them kind of thing? And, you know, I noticed, and I talked to the team that I had in place then that, well, they're still there, um, you know, cause they'd been at the airport obviously longer than I had, I was new and asked them, you know, why, why are we getting this? Why am I getting this reception? Why are people kind of acting like they don't want to talk to me or like I'm the plague yeah. or something. And, you know, it kind of went back to prior regimes of audit and, you know, bad experiences and things like that. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, we really need to communicate with these people and let them know that's not like our intent. Okay, maybe they had bad experiences before or maybe at another job, but, you know, audit, I think it's important that people know audit's there to help. It shouldn't be, I mean, you, you hear webinars all the time, people talking about, oh, audit's not a got you, got you auditor anymore. We're not that kind of profession. But it's true. I mean, we're there to help the organization. You know, I mean, I'm sure there are some auditors that are still like that and just trying to find every little thing they can. But I mean, I, I think the perception and the reality should be more of we are there to help. We're there to protect the organization. Yes. And if you're doing something blatantly wrong, yeah, that's that's not good. But for the most part, a lot of it is just human error or simple mistakes or they just don't know. Yeah. You know, they don't know better. Um, and so what we did was we wound up doing a roadshow and putting a little PowerPoint presentation together, explaining what audit was. I mean, that's a, one thing. If people don't have any interaction with the audit, they just think we start off the presentation with that. What do you think of when you think of audit? You know, and people would be like, oh, bad, scary. Boo. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, bad, bad things like that. And so it was like, it just goes with that word audit. You, nobody wants to be audited. Yeah. Um, so we 
went around to the different apartments and, you know, had a personal meeting with them, did a presentation, the whole team, audit team, which we have, we had, I think, three or four people at that time, um, explained what audit was, explained the purpose of audit, explained that they were there, we were there to help. We're, you know, protecting the organization. We're not trying to get you, you know, Mr. So-and-so. We're trying to look at the overall processes and that thing. And allowed people to ask us questions and we got some really good questions because it was clear they didn't understand audit and yeah. what we were doing. They just thought we were there to tell them they were doing stuff wrong. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. Yeah, I like the roadshow idea, and I think it's something that everybody should do, every audit department should do, because... Like you said, as soon as you hear the word audit, like, I don't want to get audited. You right, know? Like, who and does? It, and, and as internal and external audit to have like a PCOB come in and do an, an audit of our audit or to get QAR'd, um, like that's, PCOB is maybe a little bit more intense than uh, QAR, but like, I didn't like that feeling and I'm sure, and I knew what they were doing and why they were doing it. And I understood mm -hmm. it, which can ease things, you know, but even then, um, like I didn't like it. And I'm sure our, our audit clients don't like the idea of it either until at least they understand what, you know, what it, it actually entails. And especially, I think it is important to say what we, um, what audit is, but like you said, it's important to say what it's not and that we're not the gotcha or how hey, we found this one little thing and we're going to write you up for it. And it's going to go to the right. board because the board doesn't even care about that kind of stuff. Right. And, and you know, other thing we put into it was just some personal things like about our pets or, you know, little things like that too, just to show everybody that we're real people too. <laughs> you know, we, we are humans and, you know, we have lives outside of work. We're not just these big, bad auditors or, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever people thought of us. It's always surprising when I talk to auditors and it finds out, I found out they're people and not cyborgs. Like it, right, like right. it always blows Crazy. my mind. Yeah. And then we, we also did like a, um, had our marketing team help us put together a nice little brochure too, that actually had, it was like a trifold brochure we have it digital now because we've gone paperless, but you know, a little brochure that again, also kind of explained what audit was. So when we start a project, if it's somebody we haven't dealt with before, we kind of give them that and say, Hey, look mm -hmm. this over. Do you have any questions? These are the different, you know, we have planning and then we have field work and we go through reporting. You'll see a copy of the report. It just walks through the different steps that go through a project. And so they kind of know what to expect a little bit more. Yeah. It's almost like a care package. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like this, this is what's going to happen. This is what you can expect. And, you know, we'll do our best to, to, you know, communicate throughout the process and not have any surprises and, you know, all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. I like that idea a lot too, especially working with marketing. Like we're, we're probably not the best marketers. <laughs> Great. No, definitely not. So I've learned a, a lot. I've learned a lot from our marketing team. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's an interesting idea. Cause we talk about like marketing ourselves to the business uh, sometimes on the show and, like the, the thing that I usually point to is dashboards. Like people just love dashboards, especially if there's like a lot of value that can be gained from looking at the dashboard. Um, and, and people see that management or executives see it and they go, oh, I didn't even know internal audit did this kind of thing, you know? So that's usually the the way that I say that's a marketing tool that you can use. But I really like the brochure. Um, I guess it's digitized now, like you said, but I really like that idea. And especially 
uh, like leveraging the marketing department to help develop that, that mm -hmm. uh, content. Yeah. And they, um, it, it's funny too. Now, after we did that and, you know, the couple years afterwards, it's, it's almost a little bit of a double-edged sword though, because now it's like people call us constantly, um, I mean, which I'm glad, but yeah. it's funny because they're like, well, what do you think about this? What do you, can you come look at this? I mean, we get requests to like, can you come audit us? Like, yeah. can you come look at our process? You know, we've been doing it this way forever. Is there something we should change? Which is really cool because it's different than, you know, having to beg people to let us come out or whatever it is. They're actually asking for it, which is really nice. And and consulting with us throughout the year, whether than rather than having us have to find something, you know. Yeah. Um, I think go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, that, a question that I ask a lot, a, a lot of times, uh, is like, what do you feel like you're, you're metric on as an audit leader or as an auditor? And um, sometimes it's you know the quality of the 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 finding or you know, hey, here's thirty findings, twenty of them are really good, ten of them we really don't even care about and, and being metriced on that. But um, I always thought it'd be interesting to, to almost like measure the amount of inbound requests that come in to audit, mm -hmm. like you're talking about of, um, Hey, this, you know, this person reached out to us and they want us to come audit them. I think that's a, like a fantastic way to measure the, uh, the effectiveness of audit. Well, we, we actually put that in our report, like in our report letter that goes with the report we say whether or not it was something like it was something that was in our annual audit plan or if it was something that was requested by a particular department we actually put that in there and then i always let the audit committee know too um for that reason because it, it does i think it does show that we're valued and that we're adding value i mean people are seeking us out to help them not just like oh there's the auditors again so how do you refer like on the what goes to the the audit committee how do you refer to those types of audits what do you call them um, department requested, or I'm trying to think, um, okay. yeah, basically in, in the report, I know we say that, you know, like, like we're doing one right now that the procurement department requested that we assist them with blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, and then I, I think I verbally on the, for the audit committee piece, I think I more verbally say it when I meet with them Yeah. Um, okay. because it's already in the report. That's I like that idea because it does call it out and they can see it. I think a lot of people will probably do something similar where they'll say like it was uh, unplanned or requested or something mm -hmm. more so as a way to say, look, that's why we didn't get this other stuff done or that's why our, our budget is what it is is because yeah. of this. But I think it's really more of a, instead of using it as a way to deflect from this is why we didn't get this done as a way to say, look, how, like to shine a light on us and say, look at how great we are. They're, they're coming to us to do yeah. work, you know, I think that's, that's uh, fantastic. And we, and we do put like in our, you know, when I'm allocating hours out for the annual audit plan, I do allocate some hours out for like management requests, like mm -hmm. for smaller things too, because we do get that a, a lot. If something happens, we have a lot of construction. If something's going on with the contractor or somebody thinks something funny is happening, you know, yeah. they might bring it to us and say, Hey, can, you know, can you just put your eyes on this? And it might be something that takes an hour. Or it might be something that it takes, you know, 30 hours. Yeah. But a lot of those smaller projects come up a lot, which I, I think is really good because it does get us looking at it. So it gets us out into the different departments um, and it's smaller chunks and it's more real time, you know, and helping somebody. It's not just us looking for something wrong. Yeah. I mean, they're they're thinking something's wrong, so they want some assistance. Yeah. Yeah, it's really great that that's going on and, and shows the the value that you've added and how different the culture is that you've changed. How long have you been there now? How long do you feel like it took for that culture change to take place? Um, I've been there seven and a half years and it was 
Um, I think we did that road show within the first year I was there. So, I mean, probably a couple of years to get really embedded in a lot of the different departments. I mean, there were some that were already all okay with audit, but then there was just some that were very uh, standoffish. Yeah. Okay. That was interesting. Culture change is something that's very difficult. So I was just curious uh, time-wise how long that took. So, okay. I know this last question is one that you were like, I really don't even want to talk about that, (laughs) but I'm asking you to anyway, because, and I, I guess a little bit of backstory, um, start coming from external audit to internal audit. I didn't know what the red book was until we were going through a QAR and I was like, well, what's a QAR? Um, and they said, well, they, you know, they compare it to the standards or it's a kind of an audit against the standards. And I said, well, what are the standards? And somebody then like broke out the book and gave it to me. And I was like, oh, this is what we do. I didn't know there was, you know, just a, 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 um, a cheat sheet of this is how to do the job, you know? Um, and so anyway, I know that when we initially talked, you were talking about moving from yellow book to red book. And so even though I know you don't want to, I would very much appreciate it because I think there are, uh, and I've talked to other people that have said like they didn't know about the red book until X amount of even years into the job or the profession. And so if you could please enlighten us on what the yellow book is and what the red book is, um, for those that maybe don't know. Sure. So the yellow book is more on the typically governmental side. It's government auditing standards. Um, and it's actually a yellow book. Mm-hmm. And the red book is actually a red book. Um, the red book's the the IIA international standards for the what is it, the professional practice of internal auditing. It's this nice long name. Nice. Um, but the the reason that I was looking at switching out, the yellow book really tells you how to do a financial audit. Like I was in external auditing before internal auditing. So I audited governments. That was like my main client set. So I followed the yellow book for financial statement audits, Mm -hmm. very detailed, very informative, very, you know, good rules and everything. Um, But then when I moved to internal audit, it was like the yellow book focused on financial audits or performance audits and not really anything else. It almost dissuaded consulting. Mm -hmm. You know, there's very, very stringent independence rules, which Don't get me wrong, independence is very important when it comes to audit, but it was almost like the yellow book doesn't want you to do anything except for, you know, these two kinds of audits or attestation engagements. Don't go outside that realm and help anybody. Yeah. Which I was kind of struggling with because, again, trying to get um, people to value audit and embrace us helping them. Um, The consulting piece to me is important. I think there should be a nice mix of that. Okay, we're doing straight audits, but let's also help with processes or whatever. So with the Red Book, there's a lot more in there about how to do a consulting. I mean, they've got consulting standards and they've got auditing standards or attestation standards. So there's a lot more guidance. Mm. The other thing I think the Red Book provides is um, information, information or guidance or standards on how to run an internal audit department. Like it, you mentioned metrics earlier, it talks about, you know, measuring your successes and doing different things and, and gives some information on not just how to audit, but how should the overall process look of the department, other, other aspects to it than just the actual project itself. One thing I think you and I talked about before was that it wasn't an easy transition either. I mean, the yellow book was something that had been followed for years at the airport. And I mean, we followed it for years while I was there too. We just recently switched, but it was like a two year Hmm. transition process. I mean, we had to update our um, internal processes, our audit manual, all our templates. And then, you know, we do have to do a different QAR type process. So we, we 
updated that to follow Redbook. So it was a long transition, but I think we're going to see the benefits over the next couple of years. I mean, we're able to do smaller, you know, you hear agile auditing all the time, more agile projects and a little bit of consulting mixed in, which I think is good. So it it took longer and was more effort than just literally taking the yellow book off the shelf and replacing it with the red one. That is correct. It was was a lot of updating all of our templates and, um, um, audit manual and everything had references to all this specific like standards within the yellow book. So we basically had to go and reorganize and add the new standards, the IIA standards into our templates. So it was, it was quite a heavy lift, which, um, but, but well worth it, I think. Yeah. Sounds like it. Well, I know we've hit a a broad kind of array of topics here. Uh, Airport tech (laughs) changing from yellow book to red book, et cetera. Uh, Is there anything else that you would want to leave the audience with? I think I can leave the audience with three completely unrelated topics. Perfect. <laughs> One, we were talking about communication and, you know, the roadshow that we did at our airport as far as getting people to understand audit. I think that's really important in the audit profession, that communication and making people understand the value of audit and that we're not just, you know, scary, bad people trying to tell you what you're doing wrong. Yeah. Second thing, um, you know, with going through this pandemic and I'm obviously still working at home, um, it's going to be really nice to see people start traveling again. Yeah. Um, I think I think Tampa International Airport and Tampa Bay in general is ready for people to come back. I mean, we've had a, a lot of people come for spring break, but we welcome everybody to come. Looking very forward to people traveling. And then my third takeaway would be I'm a huge animal lover. I have three dogs, two cats, and a turtle. <laughs> They're all rescues. And so adopt, don't shop. Nice. I've never and heard of a rescue turtle. Complete, yeah, those are my three completely unrelated takeaways. Yeah, I like it. I've never heard of a rescue turtle, but I guess it makes sense considering where you live versus where I live. So I've had him. He's 21. Oh, geez. I, okay. Yeah, he's he's 21. I got him in college. He A little boy that lived in the apartment next to me found him, and I wound up putting him in a tank, and I've had him ever since. Nice. Are there any other animals uh, you're looking to acquire? I want the, um, what are they called? Not iguana, the uh, chameleon with the little hands that do this yeah i want one of those okay (laughs) all right well best of luck in your uh your iguana acquisition thank you very much for coming on it was great talking to you thank you thank you for having me Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.